I'm Brandy. And I'm Tori. And we want to welcome you to Fiction Therapy, where real-life mental health professionals slash fantasy enthusiasts unpack, analyze, and fangirl about our favorite books. We dive deep into the characters, adventures, and romances that make them amazing reads. We hope you have as much fun listening as we do talking about them, and maybe see things from new perspectives. I know, it's good to see you too. I'm so excited to talk about this book. I know, this is probably my favorite in the whole series, so (laughs) it's exciting. Okay, so today we are talking about book two in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series. It is called A Court of Mist and Fury by the lovely Sarah J. Moss. So we have a few disclaimers for you. If you're not new here and you've heard these before, there are some timestamps in the show notes so that you can skip ahead to the discussion. This podcast was designed for true fans of the books just so that we can discuss it. It's not a review of the plot or a synopsis. We do include spoilers. As in, if you have not read the book we are covering or maybe even read all of the books in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, you will be spoiled to some things. Um, There are a few content warnings. We're going to be discussing a lot of things with this series. We discuss the following topics during the episode. Trauma of various types, relationship abuse, sex, PTSD, and toxic romantic relationships. Be aware of these as you listen and protect the little ears around you. Lastly, we want you to know that these are our thoughts and opinions. We know that there are a lot of varying opinions on SJM's characters and stories. This was meant to be an open discussion between us. We know that others will have opposing opinions or different perspectives, and we respect that. We don't expect you to agree with everything we say and actually hope that something in the discussion spurs on deeper thought or more conversation about an idea. Okay, so everybody chill out when we say things we don't agree with. Yes, (laughs) because there will be something along the way, trust me. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's things that you and I disagree about, so... Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, all the listeners, there's going to be some some disagreement, but like we said, we welcome it and encourage it. Yes. That's what's fun about this, is hearing the different opinions and getting some good discussion. If everybody was the same, it would be a pretty boring world. (laughs) Okay, so let's get started. If the book picks up three months after the events of A Court of Thorns and Roses. So she's back in the spring court with Tam Tam. She <laughs> And Lucian. And Lucian. Don't forget yeah. Lucian. I know. But like when we're talking about Tamlin and Reese, she's not with Reese right now. No. <laughs> That's so important. Um, so she and Tamlin are also now engaged and Things aren't going the best. No. What were your thoughts going into this book? I kind of, like, I know what my thoughts were when I started this, but I want to hear, like, the first time you read this, what were what were you kind of thinking? I kind of was like, oh, shoot. Like, that was quick. Um, and I think that she has a couple of thoughts in Akatar where she's like, I guess, you know, when we get back, we'll get married. Um, and I was like... Is that what you want, Thera? You know, like, even at that point, I wasn't, I didn't know that Reese was in game, but I had a thought that, like, her getting married to Tamlin was pretty quick. And, like, being, like, the wife to this high lord didn't seem very Thera. 
after knowing her for a book. Yeah. Like, well, I told you, I think the last podcast that, um, I kind of wasn't even interested in moving forward just because I could not get behind the whole, um, Tamlin and Feyre relationship. And I think the only reason I really started A Court of Mist and Fury was because I was curious about the Night Court and I was curious about this bargain with Reese. And Mm -hmm. I was, I was kind of like, you know, hopefully this author is, you know, good enough that she'll redeem Tamlin, you know, I think is what I was thinking at the time. Um, But I think I started this more with curiosity than anything. And so I was to see if things kind of went a better way. And I felt like I started the book, like, how can we delay the wedding? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think I even, yeah, I put a note in here that was like, let's be honest, I was hoping they were going to break up and that she could be with Reese. I was like, ooh, what if that guy from the first book, like, was another hero? Yeah, well, um, and I, well, I was even thinking, I was, you know, do I do I want her to be with the villain? Do I mind this? You're like, am no. I okay with this? I don't think I saw him as a villain for very long. Like, I don't know. I guess I've read enough books to know that, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Right. You know? So I was like, he's obviously supposed to be the villain. And, like, he did some, he did a lot of shady stuff. Yeah. For sure. Like, lots of murders, lots of working for Amarantha. But I think I saw him, I was like, well, he probably is going to have a redemption. Yeah. I think that's kind of what I was thinking. There would be a redemption arc. But I think what's so shocking is there is no redemption arc because there's really nothing to redeem. You know, he was doing all these things all this time to protect his family and his his territory. And um, I think that was the greatest shock is that the Night Court is not this... um, wasteland teeming with demons and sin and terrible things, you know. Well, the Court of Nightmares is. Well, yeah, but <laughs> that's only one third of his actual court. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're they're in the spring court. Yeah. They're about to get married. Um, all this these wedding planning festivities are going on. And she's not doing good. No. I think it's hard to focus on all the fun stuff quote, fun things going on in the book because she's, like, puking her guts up every night because Mm -hmm. of this trauma. I think the book actually starts even, like, maybe even in a nightmare. Does she? Yeah. It literally starts, I vomited into the toilet, hugging the cool sides Mm -hmm. after the nightmare. Yeah. She's having, like, serious panic attacks and traumatic memories, and he really ignores it and I remember her having this thought of like I guess he's treating me this way because this is how he wants to be treated Mm -hmm. because I think she explains at one point that like she tried to comfort him when he was having his traumatic nightmares and he was like oh you know get away like he wants to be alone he isolates like doesn't want to talk about it doesn't want to be comforted he wants to pretend this never even happened right so he's like in denial and therefore he treats her that way like he Pretends to be asleep yeah. while she gets up and, like, pukes in the toilet. Oh, I hate that. This was such a difficult part of the book. And then, you know, throughout the beginning of the book, she wants to get out of the house and do things that distract her. And she can't paint because she feels this just guilt that she went through these things and she shouldn't be doing things that she enjoys. And she can't find that creative channel anymore. And so she just wants out of the house for a distraction. And he's so 
overwhelmed with his fear of something happening to her because he just got her back that yeah. it becomes a really really bad part of their relationship that's part of his coping is protecting her yeah like part of his trauma was losing her or having the fear of her dying and she did I mean she did die right in yeah. front of him so he's like protect 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 and she needs time and space and outdoors to heal and he is not allowing her to have that when I think in his mind, under the mountain, he could not do anything. So he felt helpless. And in this situation, he has control of it. And he is exercising all of that control yeah. to maybe meet this need of his to be a protector that he wasn't able to meet under the mountain. For sure. He, that is one thing he can do is protect. <laughs> so one thing from this part of the book that's really interesting when you do a reread is that she goes and sits by the window and looks at the night sky oh, yeah. when she's like regulating from her panic attacks and she says like that's the only thing that makes her feel better it's not the night sky foreshadowing at its best yes but if you have only read this book once then you will know that you probably did not catch that because I did not until yeah. one of the rereads. And Same. all the signs are there. They're, they're so all there. the signs are there. SJM is like, let me just sprinkle in all these little hints. I love that. I love it. And I've even reread reread this book a couple of times now, and I feel like you catch things that oh yeah you didn't even see coming every time. So it's just so neat. For sure. Also, the they have separate bedrooms, and I. Don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, they're not married, but, like, they're clearly together. They're in this, like, very romantic relationship. They're living together. They're engaged. They're, you know, they're having sex often, but they, like, he maintains a separate room. And Favor even says, like, I've never even been to his room. That bothers me. Yeah. Like, that seriously bothers me. So he just comes and sleeps in her room when they have sex. And he just, I don't know. He can't be too vulnerable with her. Or, like, she'll see that he's hurting um, or that he's in denial. I think he he really, like, segregates all of that hurt from her. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's something, you know, even in a relationship, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's not healthy boundaries, you know. Mm. Sure, you want your own space, you want your own cubby, that's fine, but your own quarters your yeah. own bedroom like that's kind yeah, of essentially our roommates mm. like I mean we make jokes that married people are roommates but like they are literally roommates that have separate rooms yeah yeah so I think I think there's a lot of signs here of a really unhealthy relationship that maybe you, did, you don't catch the first time and it's okay if you don't catch it you know I didn't catch it mm. well I kind of was like I don't support this but I really at the time just thought it was bad writing I thought Oh, Sarah J. Moss doesn't know how to write a good re relationship. <laughs> Little I didn't did know. know. I didn't know. I'm so sorry, Sarah. I was wrong. Well, their relationship is a good depiction of how it can happen in real life. Of like, you make small compromises over yeah. and over again, and we see that a lot in the verbiage um, from Thera in the future chapters, where she's like, "I can bend on this one thing, or I'll let him have his protection, or yeah. I'll do this for Tamlin." And she does it over and over and over again until, like, when she goes and spends time with Reese, that's when she really realizes. Like, yeah. it takes the zooming out to realize, like, oh, here I am. How did I get here? Yeah. Uh, whoops, I got here. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. 
So let's talk about um, Ianthe. Hey. This is the first time we Hi, meet her. She is, I don't even, I don't even have words to describe Ianthe. They're all bad words probably, so I'm not going to say them. One of my favorite podcasters that I listen to often, they reviewed these books like a long time ago. And when I was listening to them, um, I love that they called her Schmurder. Like the girl, one of the girls couldn't remember her name or couldn't pronounce it, one of the two. And she just called her Schmurder from the start. And <laughs> now I know Ianthe in my head as Schmurger because That's she funny. is like not cool at all. And I think Schmurger is a good name. But she's one of the 12 high priestesses of Prithian. She, like, is all up in their business, planning their wedding. She, like, worships them. And, well, she obviously doesn't worship them because she's all the time going behind their back doing something. Right. That she <laughs> pretends to worship. Yeah. Yes. Two-faced. Two-faced eyes. She's very power-hungry. Like, we, can, we know now that she is, like, power-hungry yeah. for that position or like to be in it good with Tamlin. She's also, man hungry too. Yes. She's, she's all trying about to get Tamlin. with all the men. And Lucian. And Lucian. I just I feel so bad for Lucian in this book series. Cause I just feel like every time we turn around, poor Lucian's just having to deal with something. Whether it's Tamlin or Ianthe, you know, he has it rough. He has it very rough. And one of the things that sucks so much about Ianthe is like in the wedding planning process, Farah isn't really even interested. So you can tell that Schmerker or Ianthe <laughs> is like pretty much running the show. Oh yeah. But one of the things that Farah says is like, don't use red rose petals because red blood, you know, red amaranthus hair, like I'm very triggered by yes. that, you know? So yes. like, don't, don't do it. And we know that when the big day happens, there are, I think there's like white and red or pink and red, but yeah. there's red. And she's like, <clears throat> you know, she gets triggered like on the aisle. Well, it's like one of the reasons Farrah can't even paint is because of red paint. She can't see red paint because it's too close to blood. It's too close yeah. to all those things. And, um, you know, killing those fairies, like that was yeah. a, big, a big part of her trauma is like the guilt and shame over that. Yes, absolutely. And then Ianthe, she has one request. The poor girl has one request for the whole wedding. She even lets Ianthe design this huge, horrible monstrosity of a wedding dress. Mm. And she doesn't even care. She's like, it's fine. I'll wear it as long as there's no red in this wedding. Yeah. Oh, and she has to wear gloves to cover to the cover tattoo. tattoo. Oh, my God. I loved that. Also, when she shows her dress to Tamlin, I guess they're very non-traditional. <laughs> But Tamlin straight up bursts out laughing. Yes. He thinks she looks so dumb. And he's like, no, you should wear it. It's probably best what? that you wear it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is her wedding dress. She obviously hates it. Not only that, but you are making fun of it. Like, yeah. this is not good. Way we to make should... the bride feel good on her special day. Okay. Well, when I was reading this for the first time, I had no clue what was going to happen at the wedding. So mm -hmm. I was just like... Why are we doing this? Yeah. Like, should I just put this book down now? This is terrible. We were like, divorce. Why? Divorce. Yeah, I'm like, can we divorce in the fairy realm? <laughs> like, oh. But then the wedding comes. Mm -hmm. She's wearing the awful dress. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, poofy. I picture, I picture the dress from The Little Mermaid. Like, yeah. Or in um, Enchanted. 
I don't know yes. why I think of that. Oh, dress. my goodness, yes. <laughs> With the big puffy sleeves. Yes. And, oh, it's awful. And, and these gloves covering this awesome tattoo. Right. Um, and then she she's walking down the aisle. She's having a panic attack because there are red rose petals. Yeah. And she's in her mind thinking... I just, I just need out. Can somebody mm-hmm. just please help me? Can she has the thought of like, I don't even know what I want in life. I, I can't get married. Yes. She, she really just like backs out. In on the aisle, she's backing out in her brain. Yeah, and, but she doesn't want to embarrass Tamlin. But then there's a clap of thunder, whoosh, bang, and Resand, the drama queen, uh. appears, and he's like, "Hello, favorite darling." Um, I love that. I love that so much. And she describes his black tailored coat that like fits so well and it's black on black. There was probably some groomed brows in there. Groomed brows, violet eyes. I mean, I have to think that maybe there's a little bit of highlighter on his cheekbones. Oh yeah. Like a little, he's like turning to the side so it catches the light. Shimmering a little bit. And then when Tamlin says something to him like, bro, we're getting married. He says, this is Literally, he said, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that it was over, or at least Farrah did. Yeah. And everybody yeah. was like, oh. Oh, no. And all the, I remember reading that all the guests were, like, clamoring over the chairs to get away. <laughs> they were like, oh. Like, this wedding's over. Yeah. <laughs> Night court guy is here. Everybody run. Alert, alert. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I can't help but picture, you know, this is one of those things like, this podcast is for the people who have read the books. If we can't say that enough, we're going to say it again. But Get I, out of here. I you picture, you know, they talk about um, they talk about how the day of the wedding, Reese is, like, going to get drunk. And mm-hmm. he's not going to. He's so upset. He's so upset, but he's going to let her go. Yeah. And he's just going to get drunk. And he's going to go be with his buddies. And then he feels this. And. I can't help but picture him like going around the night court banging on doors like come on come on we gotta go like <laughs> this we gotta go save this girl yeah. and they're like Reese you can't just interrupt the wedding and he's like no we gotta go we gotta go yeah we gotta go right now and when he shows up like you can't help but think but is he, he drunk he plays it so <laughs> he plays it so cool though because yes. I remember reading that and being like oh he was a hot mess and then he shows up and you read him just so cool suave. as a cucumber yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Tamlin's awesome. so mad, and he's like, I'm going to call in this favor. You've got to come live with me in the night court, Farah. Yep. And he's like, right now? And he's like, yeah. yeah I gave right you time. Now. I gave you three months. Yeah. And they winnow to the night court, to yeah. that beautiful moonstone palace that mm. I feel like I just dream about and drool about all the places in the night court except the court of nightmares i dream about and drool about mm-hmm. but the moonstone palace and she takes off her shoe and chunks it at his head Pums it hits him right in the back of the head i mean i have to think you know at this point she does not realize that this is a good guy yeah she's definitely dead. and she thinks oh, this is a good idea. I'll just take my shoe off and chunk it at him, even though he could snap his fingers and probably kill me. Yeah. Well, and she's also confused. She's like, where the heck are we? Like, I thought this was, like, doom and gloom and dungeons and, you know, fire and hellstone. And he's like, well, that's my occupation, and this is my home, which is not actually his home. We found out later that it's, like, the townhouse or whatever. But the Moonstone Palace, he was like, I'm not going to take you to my job. Like, we'll stay here. Yeah. And then... After he explains that, you know, she's still mad and she's just thrown the shoe. 
She takes the other shoe off yes. and throws that one as well <laughs> because that is obviously the best idea for the moment. Yeah. Doesn't he catch that one? Yeah, he's mad about it. He's like, are you kidding me? You're throwing a shoe at me? <sighs> so then he takes her to her room and he's like, take a bath, get some sleep. Self-care. Yeah, self-care. Caradin and Caradwin and Nuala are yes. there from the Under the Mountain ladies and... They help her, like, take a bath in this amazing tub. I know. I One thing I love about Sarah J. Moss, and she does this in all of her books, is she's very descriptive of the bathtub. Oh, yeah. And my self-care thing is taking a bath, like a bubble bath and reading, and that that's what I do. Like, that's my go-to self-care. So every time I read about these um, Moss bathtubs, I'm just like, girl... You're really relating. Oh, really I'm relating. to my core, SJM. I'm relating. And I feel like so many times, like, there are bad things going on, and the um, SJM character is like, I'm going to take a bath. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I just relate to that, you know? Yes. I just, I appreciate that. So she gets these cute night court clothes. I remember literally fangirling over these when I was reading right. about them. I was like... These are so much better than the spring court clothes. Yes, it's like these cute little high-waisted flowy pants mm -hmm. and like little crop tops. I'm imagining like uh, like Jasmine from Aladdin, but yes. like comfy material. Yes, like soft like cotton. And, yeah. And then uh, like Farrah always is wearing like leggings and a sweater. Yes. Like, yes. And I'm like, you know what's up, night court. Like, yes. So she loves the clothes. She gets some sleep. And then, like, he, I love that he invites her to breakfast the next morning by, like, tugging on the bond. Yes. Like, she's in the bathtub, and she feels a tug on their bond, and that's literally him being, like, come to breakfast. So they go, and, like, he's like, please eat something. Yeah, we gotta fatten you up. Like, how sexy would it be for someone to just be like, here's an amazing bathtub, here's some delicious croissants, huh. love your body. Like, but, but like, what? you've been puking your guts up for months, and I somehow know about it, and right. we have got to put a little fat back on the body. I you appreciate do. that. I appreciate Definitely. that in a man. But I'm like, how can she be mad at him when he's like, Oh, she up. can. Croissants. <laughs> Girl. I'll be like, she yeah, be what mad. do you need, Reese? I'm here. <laughs> yes. So, but then he's like, you need to learn how to read. Yeah, I love how his first thing was like, hey, you need to learn to read because this almost killed you twice. Yeah, she asks him something like, what do you want from me? And he's like, first of all, you gotta learn how to read. And, you know, we talked about this back in our last podcast. I was really, one of the things that is on my list of things I really stress out about when it comes to Tamlin is... That she couldn't read, and he knew she couldn't read. And not only did he know she couldn't read, but he knew she was embarrassed about not being able to read. Yeah. And he never offered to teach her. It was more, yeah. or I want like you to tutor. depend on me. Yeah. You know, like, get you a governess, girl. Like, here, this lady's going to well, help no, you learn how to read. He wanted her to depend on him to write letters. And Reese is like, okay, first thing, you know, we're, we're about to learn to read, and I'm going to teach you. Mm -hmm. And while we learn to read, we're also going to learn to control your magic, which is also something Tamlin didn't want you to do. Yes. He teaches her how to shield, which yes. is pretty, like, antithetical to what she would think Reese would teach her. Because Reese is, yeah. like, he can do Daimati, and he's actually, like, teaching her how to defend against him. So he makes her write sentences. Oh, yeah. And they're, like, the best sentences ever. They it's really like, are. 
Oh, what was the first one? The first one was, you look absolutely delicious today, Pharaoh. Oh my goodness, I can't deal. <laughs> I'm like swooning. And then like, I know later ones are, Resand is the most handsome, High Lord. Resand is the most cunning, High Lord. Oh my God. Oh, she knows the word High Lord and Resand right. very well, apparently. <laughs> he's like, I got that one. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to make sure she can write mm -hmm. <laughs> this. This, at least my name. Um. So, oh my goodness, I just love that. I love the... The banter with the the reading and the shielding. Really, you get a really good enemies to lovers in this oh, book. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, you don't you don't know I guess yet that it's enemies to lovers, but all of the good stuff in the enemies portion of that trope is here. We're living it. Well, and at one time I know she says, "Don't you have more important things to do? Like you're running." And she's thinking of Tamlin. You know, all the time she's had to go out with Lucian. Or be with Ianthe because he was so busy running his territory. And obviously that would take up a lot of time. I'm not like totally bashing him in this moment. But she says to Reese, you know, aren't you busy? And he's like, of course I am. Yeah. But, but you're here and yeah. I have time for you. And I basically love you. So <laughs> um, I just love that. I, I love that differential like not saying, oh yeah, I've got the time. But no, I don't have the time. But this is a priority to me. Yeah, there's a difference in priority because, I mean, I almost think that Reese may be a little bit more busy than Tamlin yeah. because Reese has three separate regions of it. And he's got all course. these masks he's maintaining. Oh, yeah. This man, he is tired. I'm think I'm always thinking in these books, like, when does he sleep? I think yeah. the only time he sleeps is when he's sleeping with Pharaoh, honestly, because, like, he probably gets no rest ever. Except that one time later in the book when he has the nightmare. Yeah, I guess he does sleep. But, I mean, maybe we're gonna talk like, about that though. Oh yeah, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're talking, he tells her some information about Ianthe, and he informs her that like basically Tamlin's been keeping things from her. Um, he says he also tells her like war is coming, and he tells her about the wall that separates the world and how it's likely gonna come down mm -hmm. if war happens. And so Farah starts to worry about her family, and so it's cool to me that. Like, Reese trusts her with upsetting news. Whereas, yeah. like, Tamlin views her as this, like, little china cabinet. And he sees her, like, Reese sees her as strong and capable. Even though she's gone through all this stuff and she's pretty broken right now. She's still um, a person. Yeah. Yeah. She's and not a doll. I always think of, like, I've, I've heard a couple of theories about, like, why does Tamlin do that? And... One is, like, maybe he sees her as dangerous and powerful as a high fae, and, like, he can't control her if she realizes her strength. Like, if Tamlin re lets her realize the strength, or yeah. if he just sees her as so weak, like, incapable. Does think, he see her as, like, totally incapable of, like, or, like, super capable? I think that's a really good theory about he sees her as, like, way too capable, just because early on in the book it talks about she has a hard time with her strength like she's breaking forks and she's breaking knives and mm -hmm. they're seeing it yeah and she doesn't understand that this is not normal for a high face she thinks it's completely normal and she finds out later when reese says did did no one ever tell you that you're like, like you're really strong yeah. so i think that's a really good theory you know that he He's seeing this, and he's like, I don't want her to know. And maybe it comes from a um, like a standpoint of, I don't want her to know and be freaked out. You yeah. Know? Or maybe it's like a, a leaving thing. Like, if she yeah. 
finds out that she doesn't need me for protection, then maybe she oh yeah won't stay. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Hmm. But um, in the midst of all of this, he's also explaining like the King of Hybern has been planning to reclaim the mortal realms, and um, Prithian is only is like the only thing standing in his way. So he Reese is like wanting Feyre to find out like if Tamlin will fight with the Night Court yeah. if it comes to that. And he also is telling her, like, I really think you might have these special powers from all the High Lords who, like, combined their powers to yeah. make you. So he actually asks her to train to, like, help them. Yeah. Um, so he, like, they could use her help in the war. And she thinks to herself that, like, Tamlin would never let me train. That's kind of, like, a ridiculous thought. Yeah. And at first she's like, no, I'm not doing it. Because she doesn't trust him. Right. She doesn't she want anything doesn't to do with them. Right she, you know, she doesn't know anything about the Night Court, you know, beyond what the Night Court wants you to know. Right. So she's so, thinking, like, she would be joining, like, the dark side. So she's like, no, I'm not going to help you, and also I'm not going to train. Tamlin would never even let me train, so yeah. no. Yeah. And so during all this time, I think it's actually the first trip to the Night Court when they're having breakfast. And I just, I... I really feel like I need to say that I would like to have breakfast at the night court. You know, I feel like there's no shortage of pastries in every breakfast scene of this entire series. They're always sitting and having pastries that have oh, just been pulled out of the oven and so they're sipping good. tea. And I'm just like, I love a pastry. Oh, I love you know, a pastry. I'm, I'm a sucker for a pastry. Something sweet and something warm. Like, you got me. Yeah. All day long. And Reese is like, Here, here's a plate of warm pastries that you should eat on the daily mm -hmm. and what a good diet <laughs> but I do always laugh at that even like we're doing a reread right now of Court of Wings and Ruin and there's always pastries no <laughs> pastries somebody always. it's usually Nuala and Caridwin but somebody's always pulling some pastries out of the oven yes I and just, later it's Elaine Elaine is yeah. always up in the kitchen like making bread and yes like cheesecake and all that good stuff yes I love it um, but you meet, the, the whole point of that was not the pastries. No, oh, I thought it was. <laughs> well, I mean, it is important, let's be honest. But, um, you meet Morrigan. You meet Moore, who is Reese's cousin. Amazing woman. And you get virtually no information about her beyond that she's Reese's cousin and she really wants to be Vera's friend. Yes. Like, deeply. I remember having a jealousy thought, though, about Moore when we first, like, hear I think the way you read it is like you hear her voice in another room talking to Reese going be going like that went well like right yeah. after she threw the shoe and I was like hold up who is this woman I, I was like no he can't be with someone like I, I feel like he likes Farah and I was like oh no he has a girlfriend or like a wife or a lady or yeah. something but then she's his cousin and I was like I know. I, I'd forgotten about that, that you really only hear your voice. And I remember being really upset because I, by this point, I was questioning my own morals. I was like, okay, he's a bad guy, but it's fine. Like, right. let's just let Farrah go to the dark side, you yeah. know? Um, I'm right there with you. And <laughs> obviously it didn't happen, but those were the thoughts going on in my head. And I thought, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, yeah, so. but she is actually the one... That delivers the news about the temples, right? Yeah. That, like, um, don't really make sense for a long time. No, they don't. And, and what is it, Silver Flame? 
Well, I mean, they, they make sense at the end of A Court of Mist and Fury just because Hybron's ransacking the temples to get the legs of the cauldron. Gotcha. And that's where they are hidden. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really cool that one of our favorite characters in A Court of Silver Flames um, is a product of, you know, the oh, yeah. terrible things that happen at the temples. Gwen. Um, Gwen would have been at the temples when they were ransacked, and that's why she's brought to... The library. Resan's library of lost souls. Yeah, it's basically a rehab facility. <laughs> like for I, women. Yeah, when I was reading about it, I was like, get it, Reese? You just created this, like, PTSD trauma processing rehab? Okay. And he's the... And, and I think the fact... Oh, let's just go off on a little molehill here. <laughs> um, I think the fact that the women who have been, you know, just absolutely traumatized and raped and brutalized, who are brought into this rehab facility that don't want to see any men whatsoever. They don't want to lay eyes on any men, but are willing to be in constant companionship and conversation with Resand and even Azriel and Cassian on occasion. Yeah. That just says volumes. About their character. About their character, yeah. yeah. Well, Az is the one who saves Gwen, isn't it? Yes. Isn't he, he like, yes. well, and, you know, we find out more about her sister. Like, he couldn't help her sister, right? But right. But he does save Gwen, and that's... Something there. Oh, a little bit of something. We'll save that for another time because... Oh, yeah. But Reese has to go off to work. This is all during the first visit. Um, but he, <laughs> he has to, like, go off somewhere. And he just, like, leaves Farah with alone time. And he's like, just take care of yourself. You know, read, take baths, eat some yeah. pastries. Do whatever you want. This is where the more sentences are. Because he's like, you got to practice while I'm gone. Um, and then I think at the, the very last of their time together he asks her again like are you gonna help and she says something like no i'm a subject of the spring court and i can't like i can't betray pam in that way or whatever and something he says to her is like you are no one's subject you can either be a pawn to this guy who never even treated you well or you can become a weapon i love that i just oh i just i got shivers on Mm -hmm. the body and that Um, wasn't a direct quote i wish i had the direct quote but like he does he says something like, well, and I remember during this time, you know, he's not even saying pick me or Tamlin, pick spring court or night court. Mm-hmm. It's not a choosing sides. It's a, hey, stand up for yourself. Yeah. Even if you're, even if you want to become a weapon in the spring court, become right. a weapon, become this powerful. great, powerful thing that you can be, that you can take care of yourself. Yes. And it's not even about choosing a side. It's about choosing yourself. Ooh. Oh, oh yes. I just got chills. Oh, ha. oh, I love it. Man, Resand. I'm sorry. I shouldn't clap into the microphone. <laughs> I just love Reese. He is just... He's our feminist bae. Feminist bae. Feminist bae. And, like, just the right amount of feminists. Like, not too much. Yeah. Just a good, cozy, koozy, yummy amount. So she goes back to the spring court, yippee. Mm-hmm. Um, Tamlin and Lucian are all over her. Yes, she gets back. She's left this wedding. She's had this week where they haven't heard from her. And she gets back. And instead of being like, oh, my love, are you okay? What can I do for you? It's like, okay, give us intel. We're going to use well, this. Well, he's definitely like, are you okay? I remember well, thinking yeah, yeah, that yeah. he like freaks out over her. He's, you know, touching her face and but, her body. He's like, are you okay? Or is anything But then wrong? he took her straight to the study. And he was like, I don't want the, I don't want the information to fade. Yep. And I remember him saying that. He like, does. He's like, 
he's like, we have to debrief now. And she like tries to hug on him and be like, I missed you so much. And he's like, um, actually we need to talk while it's fresh. So he says debrief before even sexy time. Yes. And this is actually like the first time that he even cares about what's in her head since Under the Mountain. Yeah. Like if you think about it that way, he's never wondered how she was feeling or what she was thinking. Now he wants to talk to her because she's been in the enemy's court. And um, I won't get into it because obviously we'll probably get into it more in the next book. But I can't help but think about in the third book, spoiler alert, when she goes back to the spring court and then she is returned to her home in the night court and Mm -hmm. she's reunited with Reese Mm -hmm. after all these months Mm -hmm. of being in the spring court gathering intel, helping with the war effort. And she comes back and he doesn't want to know a thing. Mm. He just, and it's not even a, hey, I want to bang you. It's a, I just want to know that you're okay, you're here, you're mine. Like, but they do bang. Well, they do. (laughs) But first he like talks to her. I think he bathes her. Like he's just really loving towards her. And for sure. He's like, I don't need to know anything. I just need to know that you're here with me and you're safe. And ah, ah. Okay. I'll leave that there. Okay. So she's back. Yes. And another thing we didn't mention is that when she gets back, she finds out that the study has been completely destroyed. Yeah. He had a hissy fit, like a big anger blow up. And like women, ladies, men who destroy things when they're angry, it's a sign. It's a red flag. It's a bad sign. And it, yeah. it may not be a sign that you necessarily need to like dump him and move on, but it's a sign that... There he needs, needs to deal with that yes. in some way. Send him to counseling. Yeah, he needs to work on his anger management because obviously it is building to a place where he has nothing else to do but blow up. Yes. Destruction of property is Camlin's like MO. It's and that is, <laughs> oh, that's not healthy. It's not healthy and it's scary. You know, it's not good for the relationship because even if he's not exploding and hitting you, you know, it's still scary. It it's is. still toxic. Oh. And he also is like, no, what she mentions, like, um, Reese kind of thinks that I might have special powers and maybe that I could use some training. Tamlin's like, you're not, not special. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, no training, not happening. It's somewhere around this time. I may be jumping ahead or I may be behind. I'm not sure which one. But she's like, hey, you know, like, am I going to be high lady? He's like, nah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's none of those. Yep. Also, after they debrief, she's like, the only way we can communicate is with our bodies, so let's do it, so. Yeah, that's also not good. Yeah, they need some help in communication. Yes. Oh, that's like cringeworthy. Yeah. So then the tithe happens, and it's a big hoopla. Everybody gets dressed up. He sits on a throne. You know, hours and hours and hours of receiving all these goods from the people in the spring court. It's basically taxes. Yes. It's like, let's have a party for taxes. <laughs> and so, you know, we all know the story of the water wraith. You can't afford anything. And Favor's like, WTF? Like, we don't need this stuff. Like, just let Take them go. Take my earrings. Yeah. And, and Tam was like, I gave you those earrings. They're mine. Yeah. Well, she makes a friend and... um later in a different book no in this book mm-hmm. it helps her out um but that but Tamlin's mad about it yeah this starts off the whole 
like a big fight with him and Tamlin is yelling and he's you know angry at her at dinner for undermining him oh yeah and Farah is so angry at the dinner table she like has this explosion of powers and she accidentally slips into Lucian's mind first and she's well, like, and she what? like grows talons, and they yeah. She burns go the back table, and she burns the table, and, and I think Lucian sees this stuff, and he's like, "What is happening?" But she tries to like keep it under wraps or whatever. But um, then like Tamlin just continues to get more and more angry, and they like end up going to the study. I think um, no, that's where he apologizes. Like, I think later he co- he calls her to the study, and he's yes. like, "Hey, I'm gonna apologize mm-hmm. to you." And I got you this gift. Which is a travel paint set. It's a travel paint set. Which a book ago would have been a great gift. (laughs) Except now... Can't go anywhere. We are living through PTSD and we can't look at red paint and we can't paint because we feel guilty about painting and we have all this guilt and, you know, shame rolled up in this ball of trauma that we're dealing with and we're puking our guts up every night and Tamlin gives us a paint set. Well, also, it's it's funny to me that it's a travel paint set because even if she was painting currently, she can't, she can't go can't anywhere. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but he just kind of wants her to be her old self again. I think they talk about that, though. I think she says something about, well, what am I going to do with a travel? I, I may have made this up in my head, but I think he's like, oh, you can go to the rose garden. Yeah. And you can paint those roses in mm-hmm. the rose garden. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it, the thought, this is one of those really hard things. Because I can see from his point of view, he really thought he was doing something good. Well, yeah. And it was just, you just cringe. You're like, ugh. He just doesn't see it. Like, no. I mean, if if the PTSD and like all that stuff wasn't there for her, it was a lovely gift. Yes. So he doesn't see her pain or, or want to acknowledge it. it. Maybe he doesn't see it or maybe he doesn't want to acknowledge it. I don't know which one, but like, well, he's just treating her like old Pharaoh. And that's where the fight comes from is he yeah. says, oh, you don't, you don't like my gift. Why don't you like my gift? And she's like, no, no, no. I, I, I do like this gift. It's a really nice gift, but this is what I'm going through. Yeah. And I can't I can't do anything with this. She eventually says something like, I can't live like this. Because yeah. they, they get to talking about all the security and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and, and she says, why don't you find someone to marry that can? Tamlin says, look, it's for your protection. Like, you know, and then she says that. She says, you should marry someone who can deal with this. And this is when. Just like, Big old blast of, like, rage. And, like, he... I guess, like, a desk gets, like, launched across the room because of his blast of rage. And the only reason she's okay is because she, like, accidentally shielded herself. Yeah. Like, her power just did it on her own. And that's the, like, that's the only reason she wasn't, like, really badly hurt. And I think, um, we don't have this written down, but I'm pretty sure Lucian and some sentries burst in. Oh, really? And they're like, whoa, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I'm fine. I may be thinking of the third book, but I was really thinking Lucian bursted in. Oh, I think you're right. When she's slithering, when she's, like, pretending a lot, and she, yeah, yeah I think that, that may be what I'm thinking. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, she shields herself, thankfully, because that probably would have probably not killed her, but really hurt her, and that would have been, I don't want to know. I do not want to know what would have happened if she'd have shown up for the next night court visit all bruised up and bloody. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... Yeah. But then he falls at her feet, and he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'll oh, do better. Yeah. 
I'll do better. And she's like, well, you need to ease up on security. And he's like, I will, I'll do it. And so this is where we see like the classic cycle of kind of like the battered woman. Like I get that he's not outwardly physically violent, like a lot yeah. of men are. Yeah. But this is a t typical cycle of like heart hurts or harms with like verbal or emotional or physical abuse. And then like apologizes and grovels mm -hmm. and does you know good things and gifts and one you know, step forward two steps back yes so there we are he's easing up on the security and Farah feels better about it and she's like oh good you know he's changing so then um they're like they're back together they're happy they're having their nightly sexy time because that's yeah. how they communicate yeah, except she... when she's on the bathroom floor puking mm -hmm. but it's fine it's fine and <laughs> Reese shows up to the door during the sexy time. And the fair is naked, and she has to like get in the sheets and like, cause Tamlin goes to the door and they're like fighting in the hallway. Tamlin's like, right now, you're coming to get her right now. And Reese is like, yeah. And so Farah peeks her head out, and Reese is like, are you short of food? Oh, I love that part. Like he's like, where? How do you not see that she is like malnourished? I think that's a part we it, you laugh because it is funny. He's like, "Are you running low on food here?" Well, it's absurd. It's the spring court; they have lots of food. But then you think, "Oh, that's that's really mm -hmm. that's tough." And I'm sure she, you know, she's eating. It's not that she's not trying, but it's she's not able to hold food down. So what's the point of eating it if you're not gonna hold it down? You know and well, I also think that she probably is, she's very depressed. And so you oh, do yeah. have a loss of appetite. Absolutely. And later in this book, there is actually like, I mean, sui she's having suicidal thoughts. Because there's yes. a moment where she tell, she kind of has this passing thought of like, I wish Amryn would just like kill me or whatever. Yeah. And Reese is like, don't ever think that again, you know, kind of like shakes her and, and is like, you know, you need to want to live. But she's really, really depressed right now. So yeah. That is a part of her own stuff. It's not like they're keeping food from her, but really nobody's asking Feyre, like, are you good? You know, yeah, like, do you need some help? nobody's checking up on her. Yeah, like, nobody's like, hey, why aren't you eating? And she even admits later that, you know, while walking through this trauma of these three months under the mountain and being tortured and then having to kill these two Fae, she just wanted to get to the point where she could turn the knife on herself. Mm-hmm. And get it over with and like save everybody but not be around to mm -hmm. see feel, what happens feel all those things yeah so this is one of the first books I read I read that really showed PTSD trauma depression abuse in a fantasy setting mm -hmm. and I remember just being like oh my goodness you know this is this is crazy this is intense um, and I, I, I think Sarah J. Moss wrote that really, really well. And then it means so much more to read through and see Farah come through all this. You know, a lot of what we're talking about right now is a lot of doom and gloom. But if you've read the series, you know that she comes out stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. And it's just really cool. It's a really cool dynamic to see play out in a book format. Yeah, that's what made me so passionate about SJM was that like yeah. you get to see it on the page, not just like talked about like, oh yeah, I was depressed last year. You know, we yeah. get to see Farah in it. 
And in the future, in the future books, we get to see Nesta's journey. Yes. Through a different type of, you know, different kinds of trauma and different kinds of healing for her too. Um, but that made me think of this TikTok that I sent you last night, um, talking about like, why do we read fantasy or whatever? Yeah. So I'm gonna play it. <laughs> I love that. I loved that TikTok. Genre so much. The short answer is because it's fun. Long answer is because people in fantasy stories experience the same trauma that we experience in real life. But they have magic and dragons and stuff. <laughs> like if you were choosing between regular trauma or trauma with magic and fun, like is that really a choice for you, Tim? Think about that for a while. <laughs> I love it. I, I totally, I, I, I totally relate. Yes, I was like, that is the truth. Like, why would I want to just only hear about my own trauma and other people's trauma. Yeah, you know, like, I got enough reality. Why don't we sprinkle in some magic and dragons? Yes. <clears throat> Even it out. Anyway, so he comes and gets her. He's like, girl, you looking thin, and I really love you, but we need to eat. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I always think about this as Reese's mother hen stage. Yeah. You know, he's feeling very mm -hmm. mother hen-ish during this time. So he takes her back to the night court, back to the Moonstone Palace, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure he's not there a lot that yeah. week. The um, second week is really just like fast forwarded through, or like the second yeah. visit is because she just gets to read and relax. And yeah, she can gone. read now, and she's discovered books. And mm -hmm. I remember reading, um, I loved her description of she never knew there were all these worlds and books, and she mm -hmm. just wanted to devour all the books. and. I love that. That's I just kind love of her tiptoeing back into her like arts too. Yeah, because like she's she's reading about vivid, colorful worlds mm -hmm. in fiction. Why well, I have to assume that she's reading fiction or romance, and because you know it's SJM, oh, and so yeah. maybe that's kind of sparking her desire to paint again. Yeah, I think so. Um, he so when he brings her back, this I love this part where he drops her off. Like he winnows her back to the spring court. And, you know, Tamlin's there, and he grabs Feyre by the waist and is like, he like leans in close. So this is like an intimate little hug moment, and then he like whispers in her ear, fight it. Um, and then he like winnows out, and I was like, in love. Oh, I love that. He's, well, why does he say that? Is he saying like, fight, I guess fight the suppression? Yes. Don't let the man get you down. Because they do have, I mean, we kind of fast forward it, but they keep having conversations. Of it. And so he sees that Tamlin is still being really protective. Yeah. And I guess we could call it oppressive to her, like, growth and yeah. her training of her powers and stuff. And I think Reese knows her internal struggle. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you should keep fighting it. Mm. But <clears throat> So she's back. I think things typically go... A little normal after that too. Well, um, he keeps he gets getting more, more protective. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of cracks down again. Like the little bit of freedom she got back, he takes it away again. Mm -hmm. He so, just like gets so angry every time Reese shows up and, and so, possessive. Yes, so possessive. Mm -hmm. So it's just, ugh, it's a lot, and it's a lot on top of a lot. Yes, yeah. she's already going through a lot, and then you add this whole other layer of relational turmoil on top of it and it's just yeah. a lot and she's getting more and more upset with it when she comes back because i th i th kind of think of the night court as a little like getaway like a vacation retreat. yeah and then she goes back and she's like oh this does suck like, yeah i'm kind of over it yeah 
Well, and then, you know, then we come to... Oh, wait. Do you think we should stop here? Yeah. Right before it, we'll pick up with a big... Yeah. With a big thing. Tori. Yes. What are you inviting into your world lately? Mm. I'm inviting a lot of things in. I think something I've been inviting in a lot lately is um, hot tea. I've never really been too much of a hot tea person, but I really am just, especially um, my in-laws got me this chocolate chai tea, and mm. I've been having it a lot. And so hot tea has been added to my routine that's something I haven't invited in in the past. So mm -hmm. I love a hot tea. Yeah, I think the same for me. When I was growing up, I always mainly did coffee and yeah. like, you know, sweet tea. But the hot teas are very good. Um, what I'm inviting in lately is yeah. uh, The Vampire Diaries. Oh, I have restarted. Yes. <laughs> Wait, are we talking like books or TV show or a little of both? Oh. TV show. Okay, I have to tell you that I've never read the books. Oh, Brandy. I, I didn't read them when I was younger. Oh, they're really good. I guess I should. But they're completely different than the TV show, though. Really? Yes, completely different. Well, I loved the Vampire Diaries when I was in high school, and I don't know what did it, but like a couple weekends ago, I wanted to watch TV during my free time that day mm -hmm. instead of read. I was taking a break, and I was like, why not just dive back into the world of Damon, Elena, and oh, yeah. Stefan? I completely support that. Have you like di um, have you dived, dove? Divin, just kidding. Um, have you gone into the world of like the originals? No, oh. I started watching the originals during my really like good. original time with them, but I haven't done that yet. But right now, I'm in the part where Elena has her emotions turned off, and she's been oh. real difficult. And I just ship her and Damon so much. I just want them to be together, and I'm like waiting and waiting and waiting well, for the I future episodes. You. I think that is a great thing to invite in. Me too. So another segment we're doing for fiction therapy is just giving out some resources um, about the topics we discuss. So today I thought I would share a book about boundaries and safe people. It is called Safe People by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. It is a very, very good self-help book. Um, what well, it's not, you know, marketed as a self-help book but it really helped me to realize like who I see as a safe person in my world um, and how to kind of create boundaries with people in your world who aren't necessarily safe meaning they're not supportive of your growth or understanding of your struggles and um, he kind of goes into how you identify safe people and even how to you know draw boundaries with others who aren't. And I think that's so important to like look for those signs of safe people in a romantic relationship, like when you're dating, getting to know people. So, and especially in friends too, because if you end up like being super vulnerable with a friend who you later find out is like not a super safe person. Yeah. And you get kind of burned by that. And that's why people often like shut off completely to being vulnerable with anyone. So, Go read that book. It's a good one. It's I'm I'm not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor. I like just wanted to recommend. I haven't it. read that book. I will definitely have to look into that one. It's a good one. Okay. Well, that's all for this section of Acomap, and we'll see you guys next time. All right. 